Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show for our financial hour. Joining us, Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. The last hour, I talked about my freshman year up at Swanee, and I talked, you know, we played some Joni Mitchell and uh, um, little Elton John, but there was a whole group of Southern based musicians that were really starting to come on centered around making georgia and capricorn records which signed the allman brothers and then they signed a bunch of other people i think marshall tucker and this guy is a guy named elvin bishop who put out this song and another one that i just sent you elizabeth so if you want to pot that down the next song was the one he was the most well known for and you know it's hard to describe to you what being in the South at a Southern university in the 1970s was like, but there was this sense of that there was this Southern music. And and by then Dwayne Allman had gotten killed in a, in a, in a, in a motorcycle wreck. You know, I read somewhere, some guy said, uh, now, this is another song by Elvin Bishop that's kind of a little better known. You've you've heard this song. But Dwayne Allman and the Allman Brothers really started this. for uh, And they, they basically paved the way for a lot of Southern artists. To, so you got Marshall Tucker. You got the Outlaws. You got Wet Willie. To some degree, kind of crossoverish, but Charlie Daniels, uh, and then they Charlie Daniels started that Volunteer Jam, which was a you know two hundred thousand people, and they had all kinds of people, and I think it sort of morphed into uh, what's that thing they have in in Tennessee now that's down in Manchester, uh, that Bonnaroo. B- bon- <laughs> Um, and then out of nowhere, yeah, Bonnaroo, and then uh, who else? Other people uh, around that whole thing. This is that southern rock move movement that really started. Oh, the Atlanta rhythm section and groups like that. So I, I was there. I mean, and I had a guy tell me this morning at Starbucks that I talked to. He went to Georgetown College and was there in 1971. And the Almond Brothers played at the chapel at Georgetown College. I didn't know that. No kidding. Yeah. I didn't and he said, Dwayne, <laughs> in the concert, says, Damn, we've never played in a church before. <laughs> Baptist church on the, you know, I didn't, I didn't know that story. Um, anyway, I don't know. I just, this is so interesting to me, and I don't know if anybody else is that interested in it like I am, but <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> All right, you guys have something you want to talk about. There was an article in the Wall Street Journal by Greg Ipp. Uh, it's titled, The Businesses That Rescued America from Inflation, Recession, and Lost Jobs. Excellent article. 
talks about several different industries, uh, the airlines, the oil industry, housing, and chip manufacturers, semiconductors. As opposed to potato chips, yeah. As opposed to potato chips. Yeah. And what it's talking about is the inflation uh, that was caused by, you know, the the monetary policies. Uh, why why did you, Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. Potato chips. Yeah. Just, oh. Hey, sometimes it, I misfire. You sometimes know? you just have to clarify, right? That's just right. in case. Talking about uh, the inflation, the different issues that were coming up, but what fixed the issue? I want to know was, if the price of potato chips went up. And they absolutely went up. Just the quantity. Just the quantity of potato was it chips. Sticky or was they got they got smaller? The the bag size got smaller. Right. and The prices went up. Just yeah, fewer. Not as much salt on them. More air. More air. More air. <laughs> what what has fixed Sorry. and brought yeah. the rate of inflation down has not been government policies. Nope. It's been free market and companies. And I'm going to tell you something. There is not an economist in the world that would agree with you on that. But I agree with you because. So let's let's think about it a minute. Uh, good industry. Is the product of supplying a product to a willing buyer using technology and all of these industries, every industry out there uses technology now more than they used to. But now that it's fully embedded in airlines, oil, housing, chips, they all use a lot of technology Technology is is essentially a labor labor saving device, which brings the prices down. When an industry is allowed to use all the tools at their disposal to pr- produce a good product at a low price, it's disinflationary. This day and age, and see, this is the kind of thing that we like to see in the industries in which we invest all right go ahead sorry well and, and the other thing that companies do by design and and capitalism free markets is you find pricing inefficiencies so you see something that should cost x it cost x plus 0.5 and they're they, they yeah. can increase supply that's right um and that's what they did these companies have done over the last few years three years is you look at uh cars you look at um airlines you know specifically talks about airlines and capacity um these companies saw pricing opportunities and they deployed capital. Uh, they expanded their production facilities to meet the demand, to increase the supply for profitability. And what that's done, that's helped rein in supply-based inflation. It's not. It hasn't been demand inflation. It's been supply-driven yeah. inflation. Well, okay. The COVID event, let's call it, created a break in the supply chain, which had moved towards what we would call just in time and global, 
So the global thing was busted up for a while. People couldn't go from one country to the other. There was problems, shipping things. It just tore the heck out of it. And every car uses computer chips, and there was a big shortage. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. The federal government decided, oh, we're going to invest in ships. I wonder what's happened with all that. I, I don't even know what that money's done. I remember they, they passed a bill a couple of years ago. I'm sure it got misappropriated. But the point is, when the, when the unseen hand of pricing comes into the situation and the constraints are taken off, it's always disinflationary. And it always, if, if you leave people to figure out the best way to do things, I mean, this is, to me, this article is very encouraging. It's one of the more encouraging articles yeah. I've read in any financial publication in a long time. The name of the article is by Greg Ip in the Wall Street Journal on January 15, 2024. It's called The Businesses That Rescued America from Inflation, Recession, and Lost Jobs. It is a great article, and it, it talks about pure capitalism. Well, and what's a lot of people probably don't know about Greg Ip is he was seen as the guy who had the inside uh, scoop on what the Fed was going to do for the longest time. He was, if Greg Ip spoke about what the Fed was doing at the next meeting, people would pay attention to it because, I mean, he was, his track record on that was fantastic. So I don't think that's changed necessarily, but I'm saying you've got a guy who's built his, I guess, reputation or built his value on government related, um, I guess, reporting. And now he's talking about capitalism. It just seems like, uh, you know, he, he gets it. He, he understands that, uh, the fed is a, is a factor, but the government generally is, is going to be, uh, over they'll overreact and do things. I mean, I'm, I think there was, there were some benefits to having a stimulus plan when the whole world shut down, but they went too far with it clearly. And, and it basically the capitalists bailed them out. But the other comment to make on this is that, you had management that was sitting there in their boardrooms or wherever they were meeting trying to figure out, okay, our whole world has just been totally changed. How do we fix this? Not only did they yeah. fix it, they moved very quickly to fix it. Yeah. And it just shows you the benefit of not having the bureaucracy and the layers of, of uh, uh, committees and, and every, uh, I guess, impediment that you can think of that slows the process down to, to keep it from happening. They moved and moved quickly and, and, uh, it didn't happen immediately. The, the benefits haven't reacted immediately, but they've been there. And you look at how the U S has recovered from this versus Europe and versus Japan and other countries that also went through similar shutdowns. It's happened faster. So yeah. that gives me faith in the American capitalist system. Really. When you look at it that way, because I mean, we've done better than, uh, uh, than most well, everybody else. Well, it's not It's not just uniquely American. Right. It's anybody, anywhere, if given the tools to make things better and, and, and create and work as they should. It, this could happen in any country. It's not just uniquely American, but there's something about America that, 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 that wants to do that and despite everything that our government does to sort of squelch real capitalism and, and, and push people down and 
play upon their uh, tribal tendencies and pit people against each other, which is the last thing you want if you're going to have a collaborative enterprise, despite all those things. There comes a time every now and then where uh, the the balloon, uh, the 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 beach ball, which has been pushed down to the bottom of the pool, slides out from under the the guy laying on it and shoots back up to the top because it wants to go back to the surface. And it's it's the same thing. I mean, it's it's great to see. And these areas, uh, you know, they didn't necessarily the stocks in those areas did not necessarily perform any better than anything else. Certainly airlines are not a great place to invest, but they figured out how to hire people. And, uh, and the housing did extremely well because mm-hmm. it's done, it's been a good area. Well, in the housing, um, specifically in uh, multifamily, you saw that getting built out more because rents were going up so much. Um, I was actually talking with somebody this morning um, talking about, you know, how the BLS, they post every six months uh, is the adjustment on the the rent rates. And that's, you know, obviously that's a big component in the inflation numbers. Uh, but if you look at Zillow and several other things that have been coming out, uh, you're seeing rents decline pretty significantly. Uh, so it, when you're calculating the inflation numbers, you could see the next inflation be even, you know, much lower because rents are starting to come down. Well, in the real time numbers that are tracked by Zillow versus the six month delayed numbers tracked by the Bureau of Labor Statistics is it means we may see a pop uh, lower in inflation, but it also means that there's a little bit of a cushion built into that decline. So even if we see some stubbornness in some of the other area, other areas you're going to see it's a third of the of the cpi number you, i mean you're going to see that that drop and it plays into into our thesis here that the inflation is coming down i mean it's it's continued to come down mm-hmm. well you saw uh taiwan semiconductor uh we're talking about chips you know they the the chip manufacturers they increase pr- capacity significantly you know, in 2020 through 2022. Right. Um, and little tidbit, I didn't know this. Do you know how many chips a new car has in it? No, I Between 1,000 and 3,000 chips. Yeah, I'm sure it does. That's just kind of mind-blowing. I mean, that, that's a lot of that, stuff to malfunction. That's a lot of stuff. <laughs> so the Taiwan semiconductor uh they they reported earnings um and their earnings you know were very good and their 2024 outlook was very very good um and so you had it's kind of the pig through the python you had capacity uh supply that wasn't there they Explain built it out what that is <laughs> what the pig through the python <laughs> just visualize it you got a python that eats a pig. Yeah, there's a python over here. got a python over here. He swallows the pig. He doesn't eat it. He it just, swallows it, it. And it just, yes, he, he doesn't have eat the pig. But, I mean, that's how they eat, technically. But, so, the the, pig, the pig's got to work its way through the python. Um, so, so, this disruption Taiwan, had to work its way through the 
through the supply yeah, chain. That's right. It gives exactly. me indigestion just thinking about it. That is so an awful visual. Taiwan Semiconductor. Think about uh, that. Going one of the largest. <laughs> <laughs> one of the largest chip manufacturers uh, in the world. The uh, largest. They so they their earnings were very good. Uh, so coming yeah. out of that, um, there was. Too little supply. Then for a short period, there was too much supply. And now that's kind of worked its way through. And now the supply demand is getting more balanced. And so that's that's what you know. I'm, companies should be looking to One of those they, companies they is, is, is housing that you were talking about. Or one of those industries. There's a well-known name in that area called D.R. Horton. D.H.I. We don't own the stock, but. That stock, uh, year to date, or the one year return is sixty percent, and the uh, three year or five year return is three hundred and ten percent. So, uh, it has showed up in in some of these names, uh, DHI, DR Horton, and I think there's some other publicly traded uh, housing companies mm-hmm. also. Yep, Pulte maybe. Well, and the reason that why that was significant with Taiwan Semiconductor's earnings is they don't actually design and sell their own chips. They just take orders from other uh, yeah. design companies. I mean, they make the uh, chips in uh, Apple products, and I mean, they're not the only company doing it, but any major company around the world, I mean, NVIDIA being one of them, they make their chips. But because they're not in direct competition, that, that makes everybody comfortable with using them. But where they have the edge is they have the the lead in the technology, the, the latest, you know, the, the smaller you can get, the more energy efficient you can get with your chip designs. That's what's going to, uh, to drive sales and profit margins for that matter. So if they say things are improving, uh, then it's improving for the whole industry. That's, that's why that right. was significant. And the bigger reason the stock was up so much today was because they came out with their 2024 guidance and it was much better than the analyst community thought it was going to be. So it tells you that, uh, maybe at least at this point, the all clear has been, been sounded and, uh, all the pretty much every chip stock in the sector is up. I mean, uh, it's been a, a very positive, uh, story for, for basically the, these companies have the ability to generate growth, even if the, if the economy is slowing. I mean, 1% economic growth forecast. I mean, these companies are going to grow faster than that if uh, Taiwan Semi's uh, forecast is correct. And, you know, why do people invest? It's to earn a rate of return above the rate of inflation. That's it. That, and that's, taxes. And taxes. That's that's simply what, what the point is. And the reason that historically one of the best hedges against inflation has been common stocks, companies, is because of the things that we're talking about here. Companies being able to exploit, take advantage of pricing inefficiencies, produce products, and make a profit. That's right. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, and our host, Tom Dupree. Nothing on this show is a recommendation to buy or sell. Please consult a professional. If you'd like to come see us and hear more about what we're seeing in the stock market, call us 859-233-0400. You can also go to our website, dupreefinancial.com, and book an appointment directly on our homepage. Come see us. We'll be back in just a few minutes with more of the Tom Dupree Show.
This is Tom Dupree. Retirement can be tricky. In order to produce the right amount of income from a retirement account without depleting the principal, you need to develop a mixture of growth and income. At Dupree Financial Group, we specialize in designing investment portfolios for retired and soon-to-be-retired individuals by making investments in companies that produce both income and growth. Our process is simple to understand, but you need to make an appointment with us so we can explain it to you. Give us a call today at 859-233-0400 to set a time with us. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show at News Radio 630 WLAP on Saturday mornings. And listen to us on your favorite podcast platform. Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show for our financial hour. Joining us, Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. So this this was a band, not a very well-known band. They were from Birmingham called uh, the Locust Fork Band. Uh, Locust Fork was a river in northern Alabama, and they played at Suwannee two or three times, and uh, they never, you know, played a whole lot outside the state of Alabama. I mean, they, you know, they kept busy. Birmingham, Montgomery, Mobile, probably Huntsville. Uh, But they really had an interesting, very neat sound. I liked them. Um, And I found some of their stuff online. 
This was an album they did probably in the early 70s. They had, the guitar sounds a little like the Allman Brothers, and I'm sure they were all affected by the Allman Brothers, but it was a group, it was a big group of, it was a big band. It was about eight or nine people, and uh, I, I think they might have actually formed in Tuscaloosa. So uh, anyway, they, you know, we had a bunch of people from Alabama that went to Swanee and, and got them up for party weekend or something. It's probably a band you never would have known about if you hadn't heard about them. So I just thought it would be nice to play one of their songs. And you stumped Chad again. Yes, you did. <laughs> well, you know, the, the, this was a band that, that played uh, mainly in Birmingham. So, and uh, kind of like, does anybody remember... Doug Breeding and yes. the Bunch out at um, the bowling alley. And I used to go out there, and I mean, these guys were good. That was out at Southland, right? No, it was uh, no, not Southland. It was the other one, uh, Eastland Bowling Lane. Eastland. And uh, I'd go out there after choir practice. We'd have choir practice over here at uh, Christchurch Cathedral, and then we'd all go out to listen to the the breeding bunch out at uh, uh, out at the bowling alley and uh, <laughs> that's where I learned how to drink a tequila sunrise baby and anyway at the bowling alley. those guys were good I mean and you know there are guys out there that just don't want that Nashville traveling mm-hmm. <laughs> grind <clears throat> they're not interested in it yeah they're, you know, they, they have a job doing something else, or this may make them enough money to, you know, do uh, what all they want to do. And, but they could do that other thing if they really wanted to. They just choose not to. Yeah. The, that was these guys. They were as good as anybody you'd see anywhere. They love music and they're love talented. Love music and talented, played yeah. well, had a song set that was amazing. Uh, what was it? Whiskey River, take my mind. Who's who did that song? Well, uh, Willie Nelson was one who did. I yeah, don't know if he wrote it. Yeah, yeah. It, it it was Willie. No, well, now somebody else did a more rock and roll version yeah. of it. But anyway, that was one of their songs. They they had a bunch. They did Eagles. They did a lot of things. Hmm. So we're not really talking much about the investing business, and this is ex- what we're supposed to be doing on this show. But they did have a but club I, called Breedings. I think that was the same <laughs> oh guy. That was, hey, that's the capitalist approach. Well, he started a business. Well, that's right? Doug, Doug Breeding is he's got Doug Breeding has uh, I don't know what all he's got, but Larry Redman was kind of in business with yeah. Breedings was down here on Main Street, right? Larry has got uh, Bell's Bar over right. here. Um, Bell I don't know what Doug Breeding's doing now, but uh, I see Larry from time to time. Larry, <laughs> Larry's a good guy. I like talking to him. He listens to the show. He's told me he does, at, at least. And if you're listening, Larry, give me a call. Let's go have lunch. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> all right. I, I'm, I know we've got other things we have to discuss, so let, let's go ahead and do that. Another thing I want to discuss is uh, quality of life, um, the standard of living. You know how that's how that's increased over the you know last decades. You see stuff all the time, or at least I do. 
You know, you see these memes or people say, you know, like, oh, back in the good old days, you know, back in, you know, whatever. I've never said anything. <laughs> but I don't know what you're talking. You, you look, let's say, you just you use the the fifties as an example. You know, one of the one of the memes, and I've seen this. This was in a blog, but I've seen this out there. It's got, you know, uh, this is probably actually back in the 30s. Uh, but once upon a time, no, I said in the 50s. Once upon a time in the 50s, a family could own a home, a car, and send the kids to college all on one income. And it, you know, it's got this nice picture. And But you look back and quality of life um, in terms of stuff. Um, you know, you look at the, the house. Well, maybe the house was you know, eight to $12,000 was kind of the median price back then, but your the median household income was $3,300 at the same time. Um, you know, you're, they were small houses, typically. Yeah, they didn't. Small rooms. Small rooms. Small there, there's not, I don't even think you can compare prices of 50, 60 years ago to today because we buy different stuff than they used to buy. People didn't have a subscription to, you know, Paramount Plus, or they didn't pay a, a, a bill to the 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 internet provider yeah, or the cell phone. It was just things. Nobody had cell phones. And it, it, it's, it was different. It's a way different it's, it's environment. Back different environment, um, and you know the quality of life you know the the stuff that you have today um you know the larger houses granite countertops or this or that whatever it may yeah, everybody's be everybody's got to have all that stuff and so you have to it's the same phenomenon in investing where if you think back in 2008-2009 financial crisis you think back to the you know march of 2020 march through april may of 2020 when the market went down you think back you know to 2022 when the market was down you tend to look at things with rose colored glasses that's right and you think okay that was so nice uh, you know that that wasn't that bad uh, you know the market going down wasn't that bad you know that was that was an opportunity i, I i'll react you know better next time um, you got to remember context. You know, if I think back to, you know, the eighties or nineties and I think, wow, you know, the, it was so good back then. What's well, no, not necessarily. Maybe at my point in life, I had less responsibilities. Maybe that's why I'm looking at it. Rose colored glasses with investing. You look back at those times and if you are honest with yourself and you think, how did I feel in 2008, 2009 when the market was going down 30, 40%? And if you're honest with yourself, everybody was freaked out. The well, market, the markets were freaked out. It was uncomfortable. <clears throat> and your first reaction is, I need to get out. I need to you know what 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 am i going to do that that's that's the gut punch reaction well that was one reaction the other reaction was to leave your statement in its envelope shove it in a drawer and forget that the market <laughs> even existed that's what a lot of people did as well uh it's everything's relative to the time in which you're living now that does not to mean to say that i don't believe in absolute truth 
and I don't believe in absolute eternal verities, things that are true from one generation to the next. But the accidentals of it, and that, that's a term that's used by philosophers, old philosophers, meaning to apply to the current circumstances of being, if you will, the, the things in which we find ourselves today, those change. And it's very tough to relate the things that we cannot do without today to the things that somebody yeah. 80, 100, 150 years ago could not do without. They did not need or have a cell phone. Nobody, because people are so wedded to their phones now, that's why Apple has a $3.5 trillion market cap. People will not. Uh, it's interesting. The provider that sends the signal, Verizon and AT&T, they, they've got about a $100 billion market <laughs> yeah. cap. That doesn't seem to make sense to me, but it, it's, it's the way it is. But it's tough to compare. I think nowadays we are told we need so many things, and we have so much stuff that we accumulate. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I know I've done it, and uh, but, I mean, I think I'm bad. My wife is really bad <laughs> at it. She's just... <laughs> No, it's it's joke. She's sitting right here. This is a way to engage her, actually. So, she, she's is that what it takes? Is provocation? Yeah, she's okay. refusing to be drawn in. No, the point is, we do we do think we need a lot of things. It's easy, you know. It's just an easy thing to do. We're consumers. I know I am. I I know I am. Despite the fact there's a lot of things all day long, I say no to. I still end up with a lot of stuff, you know. And that's that's why the uh, storage locker business has done so well. And it was never a big deal years ago. No, but but I think people are beginning to go back to smaller things. Yep. And there's nothing wrong with that. Well, and when when somebody's getting ready to, you know, go into retirement or considering it, um one of the things you have to look at very closely are your expenses, you know, because it's real simple. You spend, you know, you have your outgo and what's coming in. Um, and you have to look closely at what you're spending every month. Um, and it's, it's a good, I mean, you should be doing this regularly anyway, you know, just see you trim the fat wherever you can. Um, but especially when you're getting ready to retire and you've accumulated, you know, a, a portfolio and now you're moving into the distribution phase, you need to know how much is coming out on a monthly basis to meet your needs and wants. And then you look at what's coming in. Uh, you might have social security or social, you'll have social security, probably uh, a pension. Uh, <laughs> then you've got, you know, the withdrawals from, you know, the portfolio. So, you first thing you got to figure out what the sure? budget is. I no, think I so. You you look at what the budget is, um, what's coming in. It, it's money and in, money out. I money mean, in, money it, out. There's nothing. The the thing. Listen, a lot of people predicate retirement investment plans 
on a lot of things happening that may or may not happen. And we like to sort of bring it down to things that we think are more likely to happen, like dividends getting paid as opposed to a stock doubling in value. Now, we're not opposed to buying stocks that we think will go up in price, and we're not as worried on those particular stocks about whether they pay a dividend or not. But we mix those with things that do pay dividends. And in order to gauge the reliability of those dividends getting paid, you need to understand the underlying business that's producing those dividends and think, well, is that business likely to keep producing those dividends, which are going to pay my clients um, monthly bills? Mm-hmm. Yep. It's real simple. It is. And it's easy to understand. And what it's, what it's not is a package product, um, you know, like an annuity or something like that. Um, and I'm, I'm not don't i'm not bashing annuities when i when i say this but well annuities can be used in a proper way yeah um but it's it's not our line of business because we don't use them for the things that they frequently get there's an old saying around the business annuities are sold they're not bought and people who sell annuities are generally playing upon uh, fear and ignorance as opposed to understanding what's in the investment portfolio. Yeah. The, that's the approach, that's the sales approach that generally accompanies the purchase of an annuity. Right. And they also carry much higher expenses than other types of investments. Well, yeah, that's the whole reason why they get sold. <laughs> that's right. Our approach, it's very transparent. Um, it, it's an easy concept to understand. Um, we can explain everything in the portfolio, all the investments, all the companies, why they're in there. We have a number of clients that they really kind of geek out on it. And that's, that's cool. Uh, when we get to really kind of get down in the weeds, yeah, those are the ones we have to tell after an hour, it, it's time for you to go <laughs> home now. We don't you know, <laughs> sit around. And- Tom is not in many meetings, right? <laughs> I've ended them before. <laughs> hey, hey, don't don't worry about me. All right, so oh, we, we, we will go as granular as you night, want to go. In, uh, in if another it's two minutes, she's going to start a thing that is. We were talking about old times, so I'll let you guys. You 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 can figure out where this this clip is coming from. But anyway, but the point is, there are ways to invest that we believe are prudent for the retirement investor to not liquidate the money that you've got and to produce dividends and income that will cover uh, your retirement distributions. Right. And that's, it's a clear and simple mandate, if you will, what we're trying to do. Um, it, it's not, we're, we don't try to be everything for everybody. Um, I think we have to really work on <laughs> being nimble and robust at the same time. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's a clear, uh, thing that we're trying to accomplish. 
produce income. Even when it's muddy. <laughs> it, produce it's time income for Tom to go home. A higher degree of certainty <laughs> All right. that they will be successful in retirement. Yeah. Yeah, right. it, it, it's time that we let Tom go home, right? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> All right, so you've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, and our host, Tom Dupree. If you'd like to hear how you, we can make your money work for you, call us, 859-233-0400. You can also book an appointment directly on our homepage at dupreefinancial.com. We're not going out with the close with music because Tom has something else that he would like to play for you. So here goes. We appreciate you listening to our financial hour. No, man, I'm not the wolf man. Wait a minute. How you doing, Diane? That's the wolf man. Do you love me? He's on tape. <laughs> the man is on tape. Well, uh, where where is he now? I mean, uh, where does he work? The wolf man is everywhere. Well, I gotta give him this note. Yes. Can I wait on your wolf man? Here, let me see the note. Well, that's just a dedication, man. What I can do is I relay it. It'll be on tomorrow or Tuesday. No, no, no. See, this is very important. You see, I may be leaving town tomorrow, and it's very important that I... Damn it, that I reach this girl right now. You don't know whether you're going to leave town or not? The girl was Suzanne Summers. Well, I'm supposed to go to college back east tomorrow. Um, I don't know if I'm going to go. I don't know. Wait a minute. Have a popsicle. <laughs> Have a pop. No. Huh? No, thanks. Sit down a minute. It's early in the morning. Damn. I can't talk for the wolf man, but I can tell you one thing. If the wolf man was here, he'd say, get your ass in gear. The wolf man comes in here occasionally, bringing tapes, you know, to check up on me and whatnot. Yeah. And the places he talks about that he's been, the things he's seen, there's a great, big, beautiful world out there. And here I sit, sucking on popsicles. Wanting to leave? I'm not a young man anymore. And the wolf man gave me my start in the business, and I like it. I tell you what, if I can possibly do it tonight, I'll try to relay this dedication in and get it on the air for you later on. That would be terrific. <laughs>